equal justice under law is engraved on the ornate pediment above the entrance to the United States Supreme Court. The Department of Justice and the FBI continue to hurl eggs at it. Monday's pre-dawn raid by a battalion of FBI agents on former President Donald Trump's Florida home represents an abandonment of the cherished principle embedded in our Constitution that the law will be equally applied to all of its citizens. Instead, political status now dictates whether a person receives fair treatment in a supposedly fair system of justice. If you check the box marked Republican on a political affiliation form, brace yourself for persecution and prosecution. If you check Democrat, you'll be granted special elevated status. You're untouchable. Just ask Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800 800- 809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello everyone and welcome to the brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. The evidence is indisputable that Hillary Clinton while serving as Secretary of State converted tens of thousands of government records to her private email server in the basement of her home. In simple terms, Hillary was stealing In fact, she committed at least 110 crimes under the Espionage Act, representing the number of documents that the FBI determined were classified and top secret. She jeopardized America's national security by exposing vital secrets to our enemies. In fact, the State Department discovered her computer was successfully hacked repeatedly. But that's not all. When Congress instructed Clinton to preserve all of her documents, what did she do? She destroyed more than 30,000 of them 
while wiping her server clean by using file-deleting software. Her mobile devices? They were broken in half. They were demolished with hammers. Her willful destruction of government property constituted yet another set of her crimes, including obstruction. Did the FBI ever raid Hillary's home in Chappaqua, New York, to seize the incriminating evidence she kept there? No. Just the opposite occurred. Without authority, then FBI Director James Comey absolved Hillary, despite overwhelming evidence of her criminality that he actually spelled out in his infamous July 5, 2016 news conference. Months later, when Comey was fired for what he did, he usurped the power of the Attorney General, he stole government documents from the FBI building. He did it for the admitted purpose of leaking them to the media to trigger the appointment of a special counsel to investigate Donald Trump over phony allegations of Russian collusion that Hillary had invented and the FBI willingly exploited. We know how that capacious witch hunt turned out. Did the FBI ever raid James Comey's home to retrieve the documents he pilfered? Did the FBI charge him with theft of government property? Of course not. Don't be silly. This brings us to Hunter Biden. His notorious laptop contains a trove of damning documents and emails that offer compelling evidence of multiple enrichment schemes with foreign entities that forked over millions of dollars for access to Joe Biden and the power he wielded as vice president. Instead of a multiple count indictment of influence peddling, money laundering, tax fraud, foreign lobbying crimes, a four-year-long investigation has produced nothing. Did the FBI ever raid Hunter's home to obtain additional evidence? Or Joe Biden's home, since the laptop implicates him as involved in his son's profiteering scams? You know the answer. Don't be dense. The FBI doesn't abide by the law. When Democrats are involved, the agency obstructs the law. They're running a protection racket for the Bidens. Recently, we learned that the highly credible whistleblowers within the FBI have exposed an internal scheme by senior officials to bury evidence of Hunter's corruption by falsely portraying the laptop contents as disinformation from foreign intel sources. Those same officials then allegedly sealed the truth in a file that only they could access. Don't forget the FBI had the computer in its possession since December of 2019. They knew it was real and authentic. The contents were fully analyzed by the FBI. They were overflowing with evidence of influence peddling. The agency and the Department of Justice kept it all under wraps, taking no action whatsoever to charge or prosecute. Ten months later, when news of the laptop broke, 51 former Intel agents in the U.S. publicly bashed it as Russian disinformation. It wasn't. 
The FBI knew that was a lie. Those intel officials knew it was a lie. But the Bureau kept it quiet. They invented the lie. So officials remain mute to help Biden get elected. FBI Director Christopher Wray has done nothing at all to clean up his cesspool of an agency. He seems far more interested in covering up acts of malfeasance and misfeasance. But the FBI is not alone in abusing its powers to protect partisan allies and punish political adversaries. The whistleblowers have also identified a top official within Merrick Garland's Justice Department who has done the exact same thing. The Attorney General, who was appointed by Biden, is overseeing the investigation of his boss's son to the extent that the president was a participant and a beneficiary in Hunter's schemes. Garland has a disqualifying double conflict of interest, yet he's refused to appoint a neutral special counsel, even though it's mandatory under federal regulations. Garland despises Republicans for denying him a seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. Covering up for a Democratic president is his vengeance. He's the attorney general in name only. Like Robert Duvall's character in The Godfather, Garland serves as Biden's conciliary. He's Joe's protector, by hook or by crook. As long as Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray preside, over our nation's law enforcement, equal justice under law is a farce. Joining me now to talk about it is former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort, who was targeted by the FBI and the Department of Justice. His upcoming memoir, by the way, is titled Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. Paul, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Let me get your general reaction. Uh, to the FBI's raid on Donald Trump's home in Florida. What do you think of it? Well, I'm not surprised that I am surprised. I mean, I, the raid itself is is unconscionable. It's take it's it's the biggest risk to democracy probably in the last 250 years uh, of what it says about where this country is headed and where the uh, the Democratic Party is positioned vis-a-vis our Constitution. Um, I'm not surprised. Uh, because I expected them to go after Trump at some point in time, just by the way they went after me, which I talk about, in fact, in my book. Uh, but we're in a new stage now. I mean, if you think about it, you know, they went after Trump for Russian hoax, which, as you so correctly identified early on, was a hoax, and the collusion never existed. And they knew about it. They, you know, the White House knew about it. The CIA knew about it. Uh, they knew there was a Clinton game pl- a campaign dirty trick. Uh, then they progressed to uh, try to destroy the presidency. They've made impeachment a tool of the majority of the House of Representatives. So it's not a political tool. It is not, no longer an extraordinary tool to be used in the Congress. If you have a majority in the House, you can do whatever you want. And, and the president has been broken, even to the degree of going after an impeachment for a guy who wasn't, was left office, was leaving office. I mean, it was outrageous. So the, all of that didn't surprise me. And uh, yeah, the fact that they were trying to bring ca- a case against Trump uh, in New York, uh, then the January 6th debacle, 
they just have to keep Trump in the news because their Democrats are bankrupt of any policies. They know the Biden administration has failed, and they're not willing to. They know they're going to get beaten badly uh, in in November, so they need to find things that are Trump to try and get their base ginned up. And that's what this is all about. This is a campaign political tactic by the Democrats in clear clear risk to our Constitution. And so that's why I'm not surprised. Is it because the Biden administration and Democrats at large in, in Congress and elsewhere um, feel like they need to take direct aim at Trump? They see him leading in the polls as the prospective Republican nominee for president in 2024. Um, they're trying to take him out. Uh, and they're also trying to distract from the growing Joe and Hunter Biden corruption scandal. You think that's part of it? Absolutely. And the failure of the Biden administration on all policies of importance to the American people. That's what this is all about. And uh, I don't think that uh, they're going to get away with it. I think, if anything, this is going to energize our base on the Republican side uh, for this November. And you know, in the book, I talk about how in, in 2016, the, when, when Trump won on election night, the Democrats were in total disarray because they didn't expect it. And they went into shock. Uh, but because Trump represented the first real risk to their control of Washington for the establishment's control of Washington, really since Ronald Reagan, and in a different way than Ronald Reagan, because Reagan was trying to bring governance to Washington. Trump was trying to dismantle, drain the swamp. And, uh, and so from that day till today, they've never figured Trump out. They've never figured out the connection between Trump and the American people. And so because of that, they fear the unknown. And the unknown to them is Donald Trump still being able to run for office. And this is clearly, in my judgment, what this raid on Marlago represented. Now, I haven't read your, your book, Political Prisoner, uh, but obviously the title uh, tells uh, the reader what happened to you. You ended up behind bars for a couple of years. Uh, I believe the charges, federal tax fraud, bank fraud, uh, conspiracy to obstruct justice, uh, conspiracy against the United States. You were pardoned by Donald Trump. How much of special counsel Bob Mueller's case against you was legitimate? How much of it was illegitimate? Was it all politically motivated? It was all politically motivated. It, 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 in a podcast, it's hard to get through all the details I, that I lay out of my book. But every charge they brought against me, as far as the fair representation, which Hunter Biden is self-admits to violating on his laptop, uh, the fair was a politically charged thing that the fair unit itself had resolved with me with no criminality, no civil penalties, simply a filing which I agreed to them to do and which they approved the filing of. Yet Weissman and Mueller brought that charge because they needed a foreign link uh, to, to create this concept of Russian collusion. And because I had worked in Ukraine, that was the means by which they were going to try and go after it. So uh, they the brought it sponsor. under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Sorry to interrupt. You referred to it as FARA, the acronym. But it was the yes. Foreign Agent Registration Act. It was. And it was. And frankly, since the inception of the, uh, of, of the law, as you well know, there have been a, a couple of instances only where criminal actions were brought and nothing within the la recent uh, past. Um, 
And so it was clearly a motivation to come after me, as it was creating using the Logan F to go after Flynn. Uh, right. You know, you know, they just went back into any hook they could get to entrap us or to indict us in order to uh, pressure us to give them what right. they wanted, which was was Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, the Logan Act was so laughable. It, you know, it was dusted off the books where it sat for two hundred years. Nobody had ever been successfully prosecuted because it was a joke. It was a violation blatantly of the Constitution. Yeah, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok used it as a phony pretext to go after with vengeance, uh, you know, a key member of uh, the Trump administration. Let me- no, I mean, Trump could have gone after John Kerry. For dealing with the mullahs during Trump's White House days, of course, uh, it's policy that uh, Trump and the White House and the U.S. government were pursuing. Uh, but that's the even Trump has a it has a well, he has a respect for the Constitution, and he doesn't. He goes after his political enemies politically, but he he's never used the law and a weaponization of the Justice Department to do so. Yeah, he doesn't sick the FBI and the Department of Justice to go after. Uh, his political adversaries, which is precisely uh, what the Biden administration has done. Um, let me ask you about well, the on that, part, on that point, I, and I talk about this in the book. I, 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 part of the book near the end is I talk about the Biden administration because I, I wrote it in the last year, so I was able to get into some of the issues of the first twelve months of Biden, and and I predicted that this kind of thing would happen under Biden because. The players in his administration are the same players, for the most part, who were in Obama's administration, who weaponized the Justice Department, weaponized the national security interest, interest, uh, agencies, and, and used the tools of government to go after their political enemies. So none of this really surprises me. It's, it, it's bad for the country, but and it's the only way we're going to be able to change it is to win in November and then win again in 2024. But then we have to bring it down. We have to end the, the drain the swamp real, really d- deep. Uh, the, the Christopher Rays need to go. Uh, the Justice Department people who are more political than they are judicial need to go. Uh, and I, if Trump's the president, I'm confident that will happen. I hope if he doesn't run, or not, you know, and I expect him to run, but Republicans need to stand strong and understand that it's not us being political with power. It's us cleaning out the political trash that's in the government that the Democrats have put there so that regardless of who's president, they can rain this terror on people. Speaking of political trash, I've been really outspoken that as corrupt as James Comey was the current FBI director, Christopher Wray, who was appointed uh, unfortunately, by Donald Trump, a terrible mistake by Trump, but appointed by Donald Trump, um, has turned out to be James Comey's equal. He may be worse in some ways. Uh, The Attorney General, Merrick Garland, has demonstrated time and again that he's nothing more than a political toady bereft of rectitude and any semblance of integrity. Um, Would you start at the top? By getting rid of those two guys? Absolutely. I think if Republicans get control of the Congress, they ought to look at impeaching cabinet members. Yeah. I Listen, I don't disagree. I, I want to draw some comp- comparisons that I mentioned in my introduction. 
Hillary Clinton's home in Chappaqua never raided, even though she converted government documents, she jeopardized national security, she destroyed the records she was told by Congress to preserve, she violated the Espionage Act, she committed obstruction. Yet her home in Chappaqua was left alone, it was never raided. James Comey stole FBI records when he was canned from the FBI, leaked them to the media. His home was never raided. Selective enforcement of the law, Paul, unequal application of the law? Absolutely unequal application of the law. But even more outrageous, the FBI having Hunter Biden's laptop and not looking at it. Yeah. I mean, the pattern is, it gets absurd. Well, I think they did look at it. They knew exactly what was in it. Uh, damning evidence of corruption, money laundering, tax fraud, influence peddling. He was selling access to foreign entities and governments, access to his then powerful father, who was vice president of the United States and who was in charge of foreign policy with those very countries that Hunter Biden made millions from. And the laptop also contains evidence that Joe Biden was a beneficiary of that. He was involved. It it is just unfathomable to me that anyone who was sworn to uphold the law, including Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray, would bury that information and do nothing about it. It, it, It's Christopher Ray has destroyed the FBI. Uh, I mean, my experience with the FBI, I saw the, the, the abuse of my rights by them. Uh, Similar to, to uh, what what happened to president Trump was cooperating, you know, uh, with the, uh, on the records department. If that's, that's presumably what, they raided it Malargo for. He was cooperating and said to them, "If you want the documents, come work with me on it." I was cooperating. I just testified the day before the FBI raided my house. I testified before the, the intelligence committees up on the hill, uh, and, I, and they understood that any documents they needed, they should just ask my lawyers. There was no, no attempt to hide anything. Uh, same thing with Stone. And the only reason Roger had a, a CNN cameraman at his house that I didn't was because I was in a condominium and they couldn't get the cameras up to the fourth floor and say they happened to be walking by the condo. Uh, but uh, you know, so it's the outrageousness of it all is with those of us who are cooperating with them. So the need to break in at dawn, guns drawn, uh, you know, you know, vests on to protect themselves against right. who knows what. The FBI is totally abusive in that. And, yeah, uh, and, and Peter Navarro is another example. I mean, this is a guy who worked for Trump who who committed allegedly a misdemeanor. And he lives yeah, next mean, they, door to the FBI. I mean, he could have just walked over, turned himself in. All they had to do was pick up the phone, call his lawyer and say, bring your guy over here. Instead, they wait till he goes to the airport flying to Nashville and, and they arrest him with an enormous force of FBI people, a public embarrassment. They toss him in a solitary cell. He's shackled and cuffed over a misdemeanor. I mean, this is what it's come to. And that's the whole point, is that the tactics are so obviously meant to intimidate that they're political. And yet the FBI 
is complicit in this political intimidation. Uh, and, and Christopher Ray, who has an oath that he's sworn to uphold, is violating it every day this happens. Yeah. And, and the dispute on the seizure yesterday of, you know, boxes of records at uh, Mar-a-Lago by the FBI, the dispute centers on the Federal Records Act of 1978. I don't know, Paul, if you've ever read it, but it will strike you as one of the most opaque laws on the books. It, it is not a model of clarity. And in fact, there's a part of it that affords the president discretion and authority to identify and exclude and dispose of documents. Not only that, but the National Archives that, you know, reported Trump to the FBI claims that, well, some of these documents are classified. They they are not a competent agency, the National Archives, to determine what's, what's classified and what isn't, because the president, President Trump, had the ultimate declassification authority. And he doesn't have to tell them, oh, by the way, I'm declassifying these documents. So, you know, this is just another example of government overreach, not just by the FBI, but the National Archives. Well, the National Archives are points in the bigger game uh, by the White House and the Justice Department. Uh, I, I agree with you. But, but if you think about it, what they would have to me on, what they would have to Flynn on with the Logan Act, they're all obscure laws. FARA's, the Foreign Corrupt Practice Act is very right. vague. That's why the Department of Justice doesn't go after people criminally uh, uh, ever on, on FARA laws. They did against me because it was not meant to be a fair situation. And as I said, in my case, I had actually resolved the issue with the FARA unit, with the director of the FARA unit. And Weissman, when he was appointed, called her up, said, I'm taking over the Manafort case. She said, I re- there is no case anymore. We've resolved the issue. He says, well, it's unresolved. I'm taking it over. Uh, I mean, they don't care about the, the, the what's appropriate, what's legal, what's constitutional. Uh, and they certainly don't want to go after us on things that are clear because then their obje- objectives would be very clearly defined as political, not legal. You brought up Weissman, who I identify in my book, Witch Hunt, as one of the most, in my opinion, unscrupulous and dishonest and unprincipled lawyers ever to serve in the Department of Justice. I mean, his record is abysmal. What was your experience with him? Well, I thought the one truth he told was when he titled his book, Where Justice Ends, because that's where Weissman picks up. And uh, because... His goal is to use whatever tools and unfettered power to beat down whoever he's going after. Uh, even Judge Ellis, judge of my Virginia case, uh, when he looked at the charges against me, laughed from the bench and said, I know what you're trying to do, uh, uh, gentlemen, uh, but you have the right to. You want to overcharge, you can overcharge. Uh, and Weissman, that's, that was his MO. Yeah, sitting down with him. And I go through this in the book. I mean, he's not going to like this part. When I did my plea deal with him, because they were going after my family, not just me, uh, I knew I'd have a chance to set the record straight because nobody put the record out there. My book, I think, is going to be the only book where there's anybody talking about what Weissman was doing inside the system, not outside, but inside the house. And and what they were trying to get me to do was accept a narrative. That, that was a lie. 
that pointed to, to Donald Trump. And it was a made-up story. And he went at it in different ways, got mad at me because I wouldn't accede to his, uh, his narrative, and then brought charges saying that I was lying to them because I right. wouldn't agree to his narrative. That's the kind of lawyer he is. Yeah, he was trying to suborn perjury. He was trying to get you to lie under threat of prosecution and imprisonment, trying to get you to lie about the president of the United States. And Weitzman knew it was a lie. I mentioned it in my book. He knew it was a lie, and he tried to get you to lie. Correct. And I didn't do it. I went to prison for it. And you had a conversation after you were pardoned with President Trump. What did he say? Well, I don't really talk about what the president say, says, uh, to the, for the most part. But in my book, I do reference the fact that he told me that I was a strong person and I was a real man. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm troubled by the report that the FBI went in there on Monday to Mar-a-Lago, uh, Trump's home. And they started collecting just about everything in sight. This is what Eric Trump said. Uh, They were grabbing boxes. They were confiscating all kinds of files without even looking at them. And if so, Paul, then uh, the National Archives dispute about these 15 boxes that the president should have uh, not taken with him. That was simply a pretext by the FBI and the Department of Justice to launch what lawyers call as a fishing expedition, they're trying to locate any other evidence that might be related to the January 6th congressional investigation, the demands by those Democrat committee members to prosecute uh, Donald Trump. Isn't that what really is going on here? 100% correct. This is a fishing expedition. This isn't about any records because, again, the records could be issue could be easily resolved. Trump was cooperating. Uh, this was a pretext to broadly go into his offices, into his safes, and uh, get whatever they could to try and build a case, whether it's on January sixth uh, or anything else. I mean, they they fear him so much that they're willing to stretch and, if not break. Uh, all the regulations and laws in order to get whatever they can. And once again, I think they're going to be shocked that like with Russian hoax, as you call it, there's not going to be any there there. And they're not going to like that, but it won't. Well, I wrote two, I I wrote two books about it. uh, And you're in them. Um, Your upcoming memoir uh, coming out, in about a week, August 16th, I believe, is the publication date. Uh, I look forward to reading. It's called Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. Paul Manafort, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Greg, thank you. It's good to be with you. And that's The Brief. Thanks for listening. I'm Greg Jarrett.